Hey you. Yeah. You. You didn't stumble here by chance. So let's talk. My name is Tyann, but a lot of people call me Taj. And I'm most known for my loud New York personality. Brooklyn, to be specific. And my unfiltered opinions. And most recently, for being your favorite homegirl. Yeah, cause I'm a realtor too. Don't forget that. And the Melanated Mindset is a safe space for unpopular opinions and heated debates amongst the diverse melting pot of those of us that identify as a melanated millennial. Now, I can't speak for y'all, but after seeing what being an adult is really about, nah, I got some things to say. And I know y'all do too. So let's talk about it, cause what's really going on? What is up, y'all? Welcome if you're new, and welcome back if you're not to the Melanated Mindset. If you're new here, depending on where you're listening to me at, you might be listening to me on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and that's cool too. But just so you guys know, I do have a video version of the podcast here on my YouTube channel. So if you prefer to catch the vibes in real time, just make sure that you come and watch the video version on my YouTube. And my YouTube channel is just my name, Tyann Watson. So y'all, we're going we gonna to jump right into some things. If you're watching the video version, you can see I got me a cup of coffee today. It is 12.49 p.m. and I am drinking coffee. It has just been that type of day, but we all have them, right? So if you're listening to the audio version, I apologize. If you hear me sipping, I promise it ain't on wine. It's on coffee, child, because I need it. All right, so y'all read the title, and if you didn't, you need to, because I titled this episode, Don't Let Fear Fumble Your Bag for a Reason. But before we even jump right into the flow of things, let me just read y'all the definition of fear. And if you're watching the video version, you see, I don't got the iPad today. I got the laptop, child. All right? We, we fancy. We professional over here. So, Fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain or threat. I don't think until I went to look it up, I actually knew what the official textbook definition of fear was, and hopefully I'm not the only one. But now that you do know what the definition is, let me ask you, what are your fears? What are some things that you fear? And before we jump into the flow, y'all should know the vibes by now. I am going to use this opportunity as a shameless plug to remind you guys to make sure you are following me across all my social media platforms. My Instagram is at tyann.watson and my Twitter, my TikTok, my YouTube, everything else is just Tyann Watson with no dot in between, all right? And that is where you guys can expect to catch me in quote-unquote real time. I'm a lot more active on there. And you can see kind of behind the scenes of what be going on in my life and the things I be chatting about in between these podcast episodes. So come on, join the tribe, because I'd love to have you. Now, y'all know I like to start every episode with my highlights and my complaints of the week. Because it's Monday, and we got some things to complain about. So my complaint of the week is going to be the normalization of hustle culture. 
Um, I feel like being a very textbook Virgo sun, Virgo rising, hustle culture is just like literally built into my DNA. But I just hate how normalized it is. And I hate that I feel like I'm constantly not doing enough or I constantly should be doing more. And I know I can't be the only person that feels this way. I am not even 30. And I feel like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Like, oh my God, what? I did nothing today. Oh my God, that was a waste of a day. Like, granted, every day is precious. But it's like, I feel like when you log on to these same social media sites that I just told you how to follow me on, which is... I don't know how I feel about that, but I just feel like when you log on to them, you just see people promoting like the hustle, the grind, the bustle, the go, 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 the get up at 5 a.m. morning routine. This is how to be productive and this is how to do this and this and this and this and this. And there's always something else. There's always something to be doing. And I just hate that because I am a very firm believer that my creator did not put me here to hustle every single second of every single day. I honestly don't even believe I was put here to work, but that's another conversation for another podcast episode. Now, to caveat that, my highlight of the week is going to be, honestly, just how much grace I've given myself to just exist. And I told you guys last week for episode one, you know, I have really catapulted in my spiritual journey. And I just feel like because of that, I am I just have this newfound sense of awareness. And with that sense of awareness has just come, you know, like the realization, like I am real enough to know that I participate in hustle culture. Like I am that girl that feels like, I need to be doing something every single second of every day and every second that I'm not doing something, damn, I could have been doing something that could have been productive, that could have made me money, that could have helped me get where I'm trying to go. Like, I feel like my brain doesn't, it it doesn't shut off. Like, I was literally just telling Malik last night, and if you don't know who that is, that is my husband. Like, I envy him for how easily and quickly he can just fall asleep. Like, no cap, he could fall asleep like that. He can just drop asleep anywhere. Granted, I feel like the military has something to do with that. But like he can just literally close his eyes less than 60 seconds. Be asleep. Me, at night, my brain is running through so many different things and I have to like organize my thoughts. I feel like I said it on the pod before, but like I think of my brain as a filing cabinet. And like when I lay in bed at night, I have to reorganize the filing cabinet for the next day. Like I have to bring the things that need to be done first. I got to bring them to the front of the filing cabinet. Things need to be in order. Like... And then I could go to sleep. I can't just fall asleep. But lately, I have, with this new with this new sense of self-awareness, I have realized that I am allowed to just exist. So if there are some days where I literally lay around on my couch with my son, watch TV, binge watch YouTube videos, I, I try to stay off the social media sites all day. Like, if I'm going to lay around and do nothing, I do try to at least be watching something that's going to stimulate my brain, which is why I love to watch YouTube. And it is very, very rare that I watch TV. Like, all the new movies that are trending on Netflix that everybody's talking about and the shows, I have not watched none of them. I be on YouTube watching real people, like, go through their real lives so that I can learn something from it. But see, like part of that is even still being productive. And it's just sometimes I find myself 
just being like, girl, I don't feel like doing shit today and I'm not going to. And that's okay because my creator did not put me here to be productive every second of every day. So I'm proud of myself for being aware of hustle culture and I'm proud of myself for slowly taking the steps to pull myself out of it. All right, y'all. So moving right along, we're going to jump straight into our Fendi fact of the day because if you know me, you know. I'm not just going to come up here and talk. I got to teach y'all something too. And I know I started with that definition of fear and you're probably like, damn, Taj, where you going with this? You're going to see where I'm going with this and I guarantee it's not where you think I'm going with this. So I'm going to be reading you guys an excerpt from NAR, which is the National Association of Realtors. And this is an article by Lawrence Young. He's the National Association of Realtors Chief Economist. So yeah, today's funny fact is coming straight off of the Realtor website. So the article reads... Lawrence Young, NAR Chief Economist and Senior Vice President of Research, forecasts that 4.78 million existing homes will be sold, prices will remain stable, and Atlanta will be the top real estate market to watch in 2023. Young predicts home sales will decline by 6.8% compared to 2022, and the median home price will reach $385,000, an increase of 0.3% from 2022. Another paragraph, I'm kind of jumping around in the article. If you do want to read it, I'll make sure that all of the resources and links are in the description box of this YouTube video. So again, if you guys are only listening to the audio version, whenever you got time, just kind of, you know, find your way on YouTube so you could click these links and do some research and read these articles for yourself. So this paragraph says, Young expects rent prices to rise 5% in 2023 following a 7% increase in 2022. He predicts foreclosure rates will remain at historically low levels in 2023, compromising less than 1% of all mortgages. So, if you haven't been able to get the gist already, today's episode is going to be real estate related because why? I'm your favorite homegirl, duh. Also, shameless plug, if you're new here and you didn't know, I am a licensed realtor here in the state of South Carolina, and I currently service the Columbia slash Fort Jackson area. So if you, yeah, you listening or watching or anybody that you know are looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate here, I'm your homegirl, literally and figuratively. But wait, Taj, what if I don't live in Columbia? What if I don't even live in South Carolina, but I still want to buy, sell, or invest in real estate? Or hell, what if I just have questions? about buying a home, selling a home, or investing in real estate. Don't worry, your favorite homegirl got you. I am literally still your homegirl. I can help you with whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, whatever real estate goals that you have, and then I can do some due diligence and find you a trusted realtor in your area and refer you to them to get you started. That was just like such an effortless, shameless plug. I gotta take a sip of my coffee for that. And before I start giving my opinions, my thoughts, and hitting all my bullet points, let me just use this time to let you guys know, if you want to join the conversation in real time, aka realer time than you could if you were just listening to the audio version of this, no shade to my audio listeners because I love y'all. Y'all are the OGs for real, for real. Y'all been riding and dying with me since season one, episode one. Y'all, I told y'all, it's that type of day, drinking coffee at 1 p.m., words is slurring. 
it's been a day already, but we, we're going to keep going. If you are trying to join the conversation in real time, you want to leave your own personal thoughts and opinions, make sure that, like I said, you find your way to the YouTube video so you can see the video versions. So make sure to give this video a big thumbs up because the brand is expanding. Make sure that you subscribe so that you can be notified next week, Monday, when episode three goes live and you obviously don't want to miss that, right? Now, boom. Here we are. I got some things to say, like I always do. And y'all know real estate is my jam. So I'm going to try not to keep y'all here too long. But remember what I titled this episode. Remember the definition that I gave y'all for fear, right? So let's go back to that definition just in case you forgot. It says fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain or threat. All right. So with that being said, let me ask you, yeah, you listening, what are your fears when it comes to real estate? And if I haven't made it clear already, my demographic of listeners are millennials, even more specifically melanated brown and black millennials obviously everybody is welcome here but i just want to ask that specific demographic specifically if you identify as any of those things what are your fears when it comes to real estate if you do not already own a piece of real estate those are more specifically the people that i'm talking to the renters what are your fears when it comes to real estate what are you scared of when it comes to buying a house now, me being not just your favorite homegirl and a licensed realtor, but me being a melanated millennial who has only been a homeowner for a year, I probably can guess some of those fears. And I'm going to run down what yours might be. Let me know if I'm right or wrong in the comments. So, obviously, we are living in very different times. We are living in a post-pandemic, but like I said last week, still kind of a pandemic world and things are different. Inflation is here. Shit is high. Shit is expensive. Life is expensive. Breathing is expensive. I know that. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. As someone that owns a home and has a toddler and just moved from one country back to America, Trust me, I get it. So the number one fear right now might be interest rates, right? And I just want to kind of give you a little bit of ease in that specific area. So if the interest rates or honestly, because I feel like a lot of the people complaining about the interest rates don't even know what they are. Haven't even looked at them, haven't followed the trends. You just hear people talking, oh, it's not a good time to, to buy. The interest rates are high. But what is high? High is just higher than they were, right? But my question is, do y'all think that these interest rates are higher than they would have been had we not had a coronavirus pandemic? Come on now. Come on now. And honestly, if you've been keeping up with your favorite homegirl, I drop real estate gems on my YouTube channel all the time. If you're watching the video version, go ahead and click the cue card that just popped up that will link you to my playlist of all of the real estate related YouTube videos that I have. If you're listening to the audio version, you might really for real want to make your way over 
to my YouTube channel to check out what those real estate gems are because I literally have a video. I have a video where I literally run down what the interest rate predictions are for this time of the year. Mind you, I posted that video two months ago at minimum. So your favorite homegirl has been doing her research, has been following the trends, and I have my credible resources all linked in that video. If you're watching the video version of this episode, I'm going to go ahead and put that cue card up on the screen right now for you to watch that video. But just look at the trends. Look at what the Fed, look at what Franny Mae, Freddie Mac, if you don't know what any of those things are, just go watch the video where I run you through. But my point of the matter is that the interest rates that we have now, yes, they are higher than they were a year ago when I bought my house. I'm not going to sit here and lie to y'all. Y'all know I don't do that. When me and Malik closed on our home, our interest rate was 3.25. Mind you, when we got pre-approved and first went under contract for our home, we got pre-approved for like 275 so we bought our house right as interest rates were climbing. And I know for anybody who hasn't purchased a home, you're like, well, that's not a big jump. But let me tell you, in the mortgage world, that makes a difference in your monthly mortgage payment. At 2.75 and at 3.25 could be like two, $300. My math may be off. That's not my area of expertise. I am not a mortgage broker. But it makes a difference. So with interest rates right now being in the high fives, low sixes, yeah, that is high. And I could understand why people would be scared to buy right now. Like, oh, the interest rates have just skyrocketed. But understand that that 2.75 that I told you we were pre-approved for over a year and a half ago, before our house was even built, that was pre-pan, that was like during the pandemic. We went under contract for our home in early 2021. Yeah, early 2021. So like May of 2021. So we were just on the coming out of lockdown phase of the COVID pandemic. So nobody was buying houses and nobody knew what the world was going to look like, including the government. So they had no choice but to drop the interest rates. So what did me and my man do? Took advantage. Like, I wish a lot more people would have, but it's okay. If you knew better, you would do better. And now that you have links with your favorite homegirl, you know better. Not saying that the next time there's a pandemic, go out and run run and buy a house because we're hoping that don't happen again. But had it not been for COVID, the same six-ish percent interest rates that we're looking at right now, we would have been at those six percent rates a year ago, a year and a half ago, there would have been no 2.75. There would have been no threes. Interest rates would have continued to climb regardless because that's just what they do. It just so happened that we got hit with a pandemic that put everything to a stop and the bank needed some money and they needed people to come out and apply for mortgages. So they didn't have no choice but to lower the interest rates to get money flowing back into these banks. And then we were getting stimulus checks. So like they were trying to literally stimulate the economy. They wanted us to use those stimulus checks to stimulate the economy, AKA go out and get a mortgage to put money back into these banks to recirculate it. Does that make sense? So the interest rates, yes, they are higher than they were, but they are where they would have been had we not been on lockdown for two years. I'm just saying. Now, what's your second fear possibly, right? Could it be a lack of funds? Now, 
I'm going to keep it 100% transparent with y'all. And I'm not sure if I've ever said this on the pod. If I have, I'm sorry for repeating myself. But me and Malik actually got a refund check when we closed on our home. Now, before you lose your shit, let me let it be known that that is very rare, right? Not super rare as in it never happens, but you just got to move real intentional for it to happen. And also, it's important to note that I was in real estate school at the time when we were under contract for our home. So I was literally learning about the home buying process while being in the home buying process, while doing hella research on the home buying process. And literally for like six months, the last six months that we were in Italy, literally just engulfed myself in all things real estate. I did not watch anything that was not real estate related. I listened to podcasts about real estate. I just drilled it in my head and I picked up on some things that just helped me maneuver our transaction. So we ended up with a refund check at closing. However, we did have to put money down, but remember the time I told y'all that we were buying. So we had just gotten that, what, second or third stimulus check. And at the time, Italy was on major, major lockdown compared to the States. Like I'm talking, you had to have a declaration form every time you left the house. Mind you, it was essential workers only the entire time for real until like right before we left. Literally. So even Malik being in the military, yeah, he was considered an essential worker, but he had to have this form filled out anytime he left the house, anytime he was coming back, because if the Italian police stopped you, they needed to see where you were going, where you were coming. They wasn't just taking your word for it. It needed to be in black and white. Like they needed to see it. We couldn't go, regular civilians couldn't go more than like 30 yards from their house. Like y'all, other countries locked the fuck down, like for real. I don't know what they was doing over here in the States, but that wasn't real lockdown because I was watching some of y'all stories and y'all was out here wilding and throwing house parties like that was not happening in Europe. So at the time that we got these stimulus checks, we didn't have nothing to spend it on. And I look at it now, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. The pandemic turned out to be a blessing and a curse. Yes, I feel like it robbed us of a lot of joy as far as you, you guys know I was pregnant when the pandemic started. So like I literally spent my second and third trimester literally locked up in the house, then had my son still locked up in the house with the newborn COVID out there. Like it was a very scary time. And I honestly and truly believe I have PTSD from it. Hence why your girl is trying to go to therapy because I feel like any mom who gave birth during the height of the pandemic, I'm talking when they wasn't letting dads in the room, you feel me. So I'm still healing from that. But I say all that to say we didn't go anywhere. So we didn't have anything to spend these hundreds and thousands of dollars that 45 was throwing our way. So what did we do? We literally just saved them. So when it came time to close on our home, we had to put a, a earnest money deposit down. If you don't know what an earnest money deposit is, again, please go to my YouTube channel, watch my real estate gems. I have a whole video on vocabulary terms that you should know if you're even thinking about buying a house. So I ain't even finna give y'all no definitions because y'all need to just go watch that video because I promise anything you're thinking or think you might need to know, I already have a video for it. We had to put a we had to put an earnest money deposit down. And we just had the money literally sitting in the bank. Thanks. If you're listening to the audio version, I'm putting thanks in quotes because thank you, 45, a.k.a. 
Donald Trump, I guess y'all understand why I'm doing all that. We just had the money sitting in the bank. So when it was time to pay our earnest money deposit, it was simply just a wire transfer, right? And then I did certain things during our transaction that ended up saving us money and giving us money. So if you guys don't know, there are certain things you could do during a real estate transaction that can get you money. At the time, our we got a new construction. So we are the first people that ever lived in this house. This home was built for us. Our builder... At the time, remember I told y'all they were trying to stimulate the economy when we purchased our home. So they were giving incentives. If you went with the builder's preferred lender, if you don't know what a lender is, go watch the the vocab video. If you use the builder's preferred lender, they were giving you, I think at the time it was like $3,200, so $3,200 towards your closing costs. And knowing what I knew from real estate school and listening to real estate podcasts like Rants and Gems with the Kiana Watson, I picked up on like, you got to go where the money is when you're trying to buy a house because you want to save as much of your coins as possible. So yeah, we had our own personal lender we would have loved to go through, but they was our lender wasn't giving us $3,200. So we were like, screw it. We're going to go with the builder's preferred lender. And like anywhere that there was money to be thrown at us, we went that way. We went down that path. So in turn, at closing, we went down every path that had money so much so that they ended up owing us money. And when I say they ended up owing us money, I'm talking, we got a refund check for almost 5 k on the day that we closed, most people have to give up and write a check for about 5K. I'm not going to say about 5K because it depends on the size of the home you buy. But in most situations, most people would have had to come out of pocket that roughly 5K. Whereas we got the keys to our home and a check when we moved in. Again, that is not the norm, but it can be done if you maneuver it properly. So yes, it still required us to have some funds up front, but the only funds we used were our stimulus checks. And I kid y'all not, we didn't have to touch any of our own personal money. That's just moving smart and moving well with your money. So why, why am I saying that? Why am I telling y'all that that might be a fair use? Cause you may be like, yo, I don't got the money to even put down on a house right now. Okay. But when you're listening to this is January, right? Which means tax season is around the corner. So what do you have planned for your tax return? Even though I don't feel like anybody should be planning specifically anything for their tax returns because I don't feel like we should be planning for money that we we don't have. But if you know you're going to get a refund check, you may not know how much it's going to be, but if you know you're going to get a refund check, what do you plan to do with it? Do you plan to just blow it? Do you plan to spend it, go on vacation? Or would you rather use that refund check like we used our stimulus check and you could be sitting in the house just like we was like y'all our earnest money deposit wasn't I don't remember exactly what it was that's why I don't want I don't want to give y'all a number and it'd be wrong but it, our stimulus check literally covered it and then some like we didn't even have to use our whole stimulus check to put the earnest money deposit down and then turned around and got 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 the money back so I think when we did all the calculations we literally only spent like twelve hundred dollars to to buy our house that it, it costs more than $1,200 to buy a house. But in our specific transaction, we only came out of pocket $1,200. And that was still from the STEMI. That wasn't from our personal funds. So I don't, 
I don't see lack of funds as an excuse to be afraid for a home, especially when you have people like me who give you the resources and tell you how to move. Now, what you do with these resources and this information is completely up to you. And you also got to think when it comes to lack of funds, what area of your life can you cut back on? Y'all see me up here. If you watch my YouTube channel, you know, your girl is always complaining about not having her nails done. Do I like not having my nails done? Hell no. I feel like a little boy. I like to clickety-clack just like the next girl. But being in the States, getting your nails done every two weeks could easily cost you $200 a month. And I'd rather use that $200 a month to go towards my businesses, to go towards these studio lights, to go towards this camera I'm filming on or this mic y'all hear me on. Like I'd rather reinvest my money into myself so that in the long run it ends up making me money. So you listening or you watching have to decide what areas of your life can you cut back on to get you where you want to be in life and if that's a homeowner it's a sacrifice now that you're not going to regret later what's another fear that you may have when it comes to buying a home possibly credit issues right when it comes to credit that's one of those things in the brown and black community that's like really tricky because i can't speak for y'all but I didn't learn shit about credit until it was time to get my own credit card. And I was terrified to get a credit card because I had heard just horror stories. So I can't necessarily pin that on us. I think that's more of a generational thing. I think that's more of a society thing because I feel like other races are educated a lot more when it comes to credit than we are. We are just taught that like it's free money when it's really, it's really not. So if you feel like your credit is not up to par and in most cases you need a minimum of 620, a 620 credit score. Some lenders may let you slide with like a 560, 580, but they gonna want more money up front. I'm gonna keep it a stack with you. But a 620 is kind of like the baseline to get a decent interest rate and not have to really break the bank too, too much. You want to have higher than a 620, but 620 and up, you kind of green lit to slide depending on your lender. So if you know that your credit is not where it needs to be, pull your credit report. Go ahead and find you a realtor. It doesn't cost you anything to speak with a realtor. I mean, they may charge you for their time, but realtors like me... I, I'm not going to. So if you decide like, yo, I just want to know where my credit is. Granted, I am not a credit specialist. I'm not a mortgage broker. I am a realtor. So what I will do is connect you with my preferred lender, or you can bring your own lender if you have a specific lender that you would like to go with. And I can just get you guys in contact. And what that lender will do, if they're a good lender, if that person's a good mortgage broker, they will come up with a plan for you. My preferred lender, she is a sweetheart. And if I was to bring you a client and you you have credit issues, she'll pull your credit No, like, okay, you can't get approved for a mortgage right now, but here goes a six-month plan. I'm talking like she will type up a personalized six-month plan. She will have your credit uh, report pulled up with the things that need to be taken care of before you are eligible for a mortgage broker, um, for a mortgage. So it, having a good real estate team behind you can eliminate some of that fear because you don't need to be scared. Like, oh, I can't buy a house because my credit's not good. Okay. So why is your credit not good? What needs to be done for your credit to be better? And that is what a good real estate team is going to help you get to. You don't have to already come ready. Now, speaking as a realtor, I would be lying if I said we didn't prefer you to already come ready, but we understand everybody's not there yet. Just because you don't have it together right now doesn't mean that you're never going to. 
And a good realtor, good mortgage broker, and a good real estate team behind you is going to tell you that. And your favorite homegirl is telling you that. So don't let credit issues stop you from wanting to buy a house. Don't say, I can't buy a house because I got shitty credit. That means you're settling for having shitty credit and you ha- it doesn't sound like you have any plans to fix said shitty credit. And some things can be disputed. Some things can be taken off your credit. So don't be afraid of credit the way we were trained to be afraid of credit. And that's speaking from somebody who literally was terrified of credit and to this day only has two credit cards. My very first credit card was a secured credit card with the limit of $250. And y'all, let me tell y'all why, like two, three months ago, I called like trying to increase the limit. They won't even let me do it. So now I'm just stuck with this credit card with $250 and with inflation, that can't do shit. But the moral of the story is, trust me, I feel you, but we just got to get a little bit smarter about that. I am currently looking for like a good, not a credit specialist, but I'm looking for somebody to bring on the pod to really break down credit in a way that is easier for a lot of us to understand and kind of give us some tips and tricks when it comes to credit. Because I know it's never really just about what you know, it's about who you know. So bringing the right person on the pod could teach me some things and in turn teach y'all some things. Okay. So number four, what is another fear that you, you watching or you listening may have when it comes to buying a piece of real estate, right? Could it possibly be the upkeep? You hear people complain, oh, a house is so much work. And if you know, you know, I am one of them people because your homegirl keeps it funky all the time. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And when it comes to buying a house, it's so much different from renting because when you're renting, oh, let me call maintenance. Oh, let me call, if you're from New York, let me call the super. Like, listen, let me call the lamb. Let me call whoever I need to call because this ain't my house and this ain't my problem. When you buy a house, it is your house. It is your goddamn problem. And chances are every problem come with a price tag. Let me just tell you. Oh, y'all, let me, let me drink my coffee. And I know y'all are like, damn Taj, you supposed to be talking me into it or talking out of talking me out of it. I'm not doing either. I'm keeping it real with y'all like I always do. Yes, the upkeep of a home is a lot. Depending on what market you buy it in, if you have a basement that comes with a certain type of upkeep, if you have an attic that comes with a certain type of upkeep, uh it, it just depends. If you got a backyard, like a big backyard or front yard, like all of those things, like you these things that you put in the ground for like termites because in America houses are literally built out of sticks and nails, which is just mind blowing to me after coming from living in Hawaii and Italy where homes were literally made out of cement and concrete. And then to watch my neighborhood be built, y'all, these houses are literally, I see why the the big bad wolf can just huff and puff and blow it down. Because now I, if y'all ever seen them videos of hurricanes from Florida where like literally the house just rips off of the foundation and just the top just blows. After watching them build these houses in my neighborhood, I don't care. Unless you got your house custom built, and I'm talking you didn't go through a builder that's building a community. Like you went and found an architect, you went and found a contractor, and they only built your house and you picked everything and it's made out of brick. Baby, these houses cheap as hell. These are literally gingerbread houses that they is slapping six-figure prices on. But that's a story for another day. The upkeep is a lot. But let me ask you this. What's the alternative? What's the alternative? Fighting with a landlord? Because what I will say, being the homeowner, 
yeah, when something goes wrong, you got to fix it. But then at least you have the power to know when it's going to get fixed. You have the power to know how much you're going to invest to get it fixed because, because keeping it funky, sometimes you can go the cheap route. Now, I am an avid believer in being cheap. You spend more money later on down the line. But you got the option. If you don't want to pay $10,000 to fix your roof, but you know somebody that'll do it for two, I'm not saying that that's what you need to do. That is definitely not what you need to do, especially with an issue like a roof. But you got the option too. Versus now if you're talking about you're renting from a landlord, which I think he going to do. Put the $10,000 roof on there or the $2,000 roof on there. Not saying that he or she is supposed to do that either. But I'm just saying you don't have the choice. So all of us have lived somewhere where you rented and like you'll call your landlord, your super, your maintenance, whoever. They come out, fix it. Let's let's keep it a, a stack. They do a cheap ass patch job. They do a little welter. And then a month or two, boom, same problem. Something else or something else is the problem. So what's the alternative? Being the homeowner with the power but that comes at a price tag or being a person that don't have no power and no say. So you just got to deal with whatever they, they giving you. I'm, I don't know about y'all, but me and Malik definitely have a landlord from hell story from Hawaii. Like we had a terrible, terrible landlord. And I know most people can relate to that where even if you didn't have a terrible landlord, you lived it like maintenance in your apartment complex or your building or your super. If you're back in New York, like just terrible date, mind you. And that's another thing. When you are the renter, the, the landlord, the super maintenance, whoever, they going to fix it when they want to fix Granted, Most states, depending on what the issue is, there are laws that I want y'all to know. There are legal laws about how long they have to get things fixed. But nine times out of 10, they banking that you don't know that. They don't know that you be on here chopping it up with your favorite homegirl who's telling you, like, in these cold-ass weathers, landlords legally have to have your house, apartment, whatever, at a certain temperature. And if for some reason your apartment, your house, or whatever is not retaining the heat at that temperature, they got very little time to get that shit together. But they are hoping that you don't know that. And nine times out of 10, you don't. So then you're just putting up with it, complaining and being miserable. And them landlords, them supers, the maintenance people not being held accountable. So yes, the upkeep of a house comes with a price tag and more than likely a headache. But it's your headache. It's your problem. You hold the power. And that's what I want y'all to remember. When it comes to real estate, think of real estate like the game of Monopoly. Because the game of Monopoly is literally built off of the principles of real estate. Think about the last time you played Monopoly. I don't know about y'all, but Monopoly get real serious in my house. Me and Malik have dead ass went to bed not speaking <laughs> because of Monopoly. Like, we take Monopoly very serious. And the, to know that I ended up becoming a realtor is just hilarious to us. But in Monopoly, who normally wins the game? It's only one of two people. Either the person with the most money or the person with the most property. And if we keep it in a stack, the person with the most money usually, there are some games where I'm sure y'all have played where the person just won because they had the most amount of money. But that person that has the most amount of money owns the least amount of properties. That's the only reason that they have that much money. But the person that usually gets the game real exciting and like you playing Monopoly for real, for real, 
is the person that owns all the properties and more specifically whoever get the monopoly of boardwalk and park place like if you know you know the person that gets the monopolies aka owns the most properties has the most power in the game they may not have the the revenue in the bank but guess what if they can't, if they land on your property and they can't afford rent, because literally I have played some games with people who dead ass got mad properties on the board, maybe two, three hundred, maybe even five hundred dollars in a bank. And those people somehow make it damn near to the end of the game, if not winning, because guess what? They can leverage those properties for funds. Y'all, Monopoly is not a game. They just put it in a game so we, aka us melanated millennials, won't take that shit seriously. The same properties you use to win in a game of Monopoly are the same properties you need to use to win in the game of real estate in real life. Think about that. Real shit. That's that's not even that's no conspiracy. That is dead serious. Monopoly is literally built off the principles of, of real estate. They put it in a board game, so we would think that shit is a game, think that shit is a joke. When there are mega corporations and other races playing that shit in real life. And what are we? We we are the, the thimble landing on everybody's property, paying everybody's rent. We're nothing of our own. We the people with all the money, but still ain't got all the money. So we just got an, we just can afford to keep landing on people's property, but we don't own anything ourselves because we too busy paying rent to everybody across the board. So we haven't even saved up the money to get our own monopoly. Food for thought. What's another fear that you may have when it comes to owning property? I'm going to say probably the unknown. And when I say that, you have no idea what you don't know until you buy a house. Y'all know, or if you're new here, you don't know. You heard it in the intro. I am from Brooklyn, New York. So is my husband. We some motherfucking city kids. And we now own our first property in Columbia, South Carolina. So you can imagine, it's a lot of shit we didn't know until we became homeowners. But that's the thing about the unknown when it comes with real estate. There are some things you literally only learn from experience. Granted, the home that me and my husband live in, this is his first home. This is his first house he's ever lived in. Whereas me, my parents have had houses before, but guess what? That didn't give me no leg up than my husband. I still didn't know shit. And that's no fault of my parents. My parents just figured it out and probably figured I would figure it out just like they figured it out. So it don't matter if you lived in houses all your life, baby, unless your parents was real transparent about the things that were happening, literally behind closed doors and behind the walls and behind the drywall. You don't know shit about owning no house until you get a house. Like, you don't know what you, you just don't know what you don't know. But becoming a homeowner, getting your first house is when you will learn those things. It's just like certain careers and certain jobs. For example, real estate, being a realtor. If you are listening to this and you want to be a realtor or even thinking about being a realtor or a real estate agent, because yes, there is a difference between a realtor and a real estate agent, you're probably like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go to real estate school. I'm gonna get my real estate license. I'm gonna be on selling sunset type shit, or excuse me, selling Tampa because you know, that's the melanated season. And let me just tell you, 
Nothing they teach you in real estate school, for real, for real, prepares you to be a realtor. Everything that they teach you in real estate school are the laws and the rules so that you do not get sued. That's it. They don't necessarily, they can't walk you through a real estate transaction. They can walk you through imaginary ones, but when you get your first real estate transaction, no two transactions are the same. So every single one is going to be different. I am coming to y'all only having closed two deals. And guess what? Both of those deals were completely different. The processes were completely different. And real estate school prepared me for absolutely none of it. Shout out to my old team leader, Tiana Watt. If it wasn't for her, I would have been bawling down my broker in charge phone like, listen, please help me. I don't know. And you would think you just spent thousands of dollars in real estate school and spent months studying and learning. And guess what? You still don't know because you don't know what you don't know. Some things you just only learn with experience. Just like being a realtor. Just like being a homeowner. Certain things you just, you can't be afraid of what you don't know. You just got to figure it out along the way. And those were the five main fears I feel like the average melanated millennial has when it comes to buying real estate. But I even got some bonus ones. I feel like another fear that a lot of people don't talk about, and maybe because they just aren't conscious of it. Y'all know I'm real self-aware, real awake for no damn reason. But I feel like one of the reasons that melanated millennials are, they fear buying real estate, investing in real estate is because of the fear of losing it. Some of us, may know someone or may have people in our family or friends or whoever who lost their home. They couldn't keep up with the payments. So what happened? The bank came and took it. Or if you live somewhere like Florida, natural disaster came and boom, you don't have no house. So some of us may not want to put all that blood, sweat, tears, and money into something that we could possibly lose. And I feel like that's that's something that stops people from enjoying the fruits of their labor because I can't speak for y'all but I and my husband am not busting our ass working and getting up when you don't want to get up and going to jobs that you don't want to go to to pay somebody else's bills because let's let's be honest y'all that's what being a renter is you're paying someone else's mortgage at the end of the day chances are you're paying more than just their mortgage because keep it a buck if you were a landlord you're going to charge them a little bit more than what the mortgage actually costs so you could actually be making some profit. So you paying somebody's mortgage and putting a little spending money in their pocket. And that's just keeping it funky. That's calling a spade a spade. So the fear of losing something that you work so hard for will prevent some people from even going that far. And I feel like that's a mentality that we as a community have to change. And when I say fear of losing it, I'm not just talking about to foreclosure or things like that. I'm going to take it even a step deeper and go, when we, when I say we're afraid of losing it or the fear of losing it, now I'm speaking to the families, the specific, the melanated millennial families that actually do have real estate in their family. So I'm talking about granny house. I'm talking about my mom house, pop pop house, whether you're from the South, you're from New York, whatever, right? I told y'all, I'm from New York where my parents had houses, right? And like, I've moved all over. My parents have had houses, right? 
But I remember as a kid always thinking like, yo, I can't wait till my parents leave me these houses. I'm never selling it, blah, blah, blah. So those of y'all that got real estate in your family, I'm talking about like y'all own it. Your grandparents maybe have paid it off. It's paid off. They got the deed somewhere under a mattress. Every West Indian, like, you know. Those of us that have real estate in the family and are scared to let it go. Let me speak specifically to y'all. And y'all know Deval and Kadeen Ellis from Deadass the Podcast. They are like literally my idols for real, for real. And they have a podcast episode. I think it's called like Selling Granny's Crib or something like that, where they talk about this topic way more in detail than I'm going to. But I need melanated millennials to look at real estate as a source of income a passive source of income. It may not be passive in the beginning because like I said, when things go wrong, you got to dish out cash to get things fixed. But in the grand scheme of things, if for example, let me just give y'all example so you could really follow me, right? If my husband and I decide to move somewhere else, but keep this home and we're going to rent it out, the rent like renters pay, what I just say, that we gonna make sure that what we charge them covers the mortgage and then the little them uh and then some so that obviously we can have some money in our pockets because why would we literally just charge them how much the mortgage costs? Like we wouldn't be getting anything out. I mean, you y'all get what I'm saying. We'll obviously be getting the mortgage paid, but we not breaking no bread off of that. And that's just not how that's not how the world works. So we're gonna be charging them more than what our mortgage costs, right? Now, I'm going to give y'all a real life example. Like, I cannot make this up. When I purchased this home, y'all know if you've been here from the beginning, my husband and I purchased this home while we were still living in Italy. We actually signed all the documents, closed on this home before we ever stepped foot in it. We closed on this home November 5th. We did not actually touch down on the States from Italy till November 13th. So by the time we pulled up, like my mom already had the keys waiting for us. Like my mom had to go to closing and we were closing on Zoom, on Skype type shit because we we purchased a house we had never seen in person, just straight pictures, just straight videos. Do not really recommend anybody to do it. But if you're military, you know, sometimes you just got to do what it do so you can have somewhere to live. We needed somewhere to live that was going to be ready by the time we got off that plane. It was November. It was cold. We had a a baby that wasn't even two yet. Like I wasn't trying to be in hotels and in Airbnbs and doing, I wasn't trying to do all that. I wanted to be in a house and we were. Divine timing literally closed the week before, like the house was dead ass ready when we got here. So I told my husband and he is my witness because Actually, I told my husband, my best friend, I told a couple people when we when we got this house, my job, all I knew from this house was what I could see on Google Maps. So I would be looking at the area and I would be like, hmm, this seems like a pretty like up and coming area because I wonder why are they building these brand new houses just randomly right here? And then when we got here, I told Malik verbatim, babe. I think we moving in a part of the hood that they are gentrifying. And I said that. And do I said that a year ago when we first got here and was driving around and seeing. I'm like, yo, I think we live in a part of the hood they gentrifying. But I didn't really think nothing of it. Kid y'all not, a couple weeks ago, lo and behold, going to the store, not too far from here. And what do I see? A bunch of construction trucks clearing what used to just be like, I ain't gonna call it forest, but bunch of trees, lots full of trees that have been there the whole year we've been here. All of a sudden, 
I see trees getting cleared down. So my curiosity, hmm, I wonder what they're building. A couple days go by, drive past again. Oh, there's a sign. I'm not going to say the name of the development because for security purposes, but blank luxury apartments. Like y'all, I kid y'all not. That's literally like the word luxury is going to be in the name. And all I could think was, holy shit. Not only was my intuition right, but the realtor in me is ecstatic. You want to know why? Because the sound of the construction that y'all probably hear, granted, that's in my subdivision, but that's the fucking sound of my property value going up. What? What? So if we decide to sell it, we're going to be getting more money. Mind you, we have already gained a tremendous amount of equity since we've been in this home, fortunately, but unfortunately, because of COVID. So because the price of homes is going up, the price that we pay for our house, granted, they're not done our subdivision, but the same exact floor plan that we paid a certain amount for is now going for 50K more than that. So we have lived in this home for a year and already have roughly about, maybe a little bit over, I haven't checked it, 50K in equity, which means if we sold it today, we could pay off our loan and still walk away with a check. Y'all heard me say we walked away with a check when we got the keys. So this is what I mean by real estate being a passive stream of income. Now, if we were to sell whenever them luxury apartments is done being built, we could sell it for even more than what we paid for. So that's even more money in our pocket when it's time to leave, right? Taj, where you going with this? Hear me out. If we decide to never sell this property, right? We're going to hold on to it. We're going to gift it to our son because this was our first property. I need us as a melanated millennial community to take the feelings out of real estate. All right. Yes, this home will always be special in our heart because it was our first home. It is our first house, literally, that we bought together. This is our first major asset stamp as a married couple. And we've been married damn near 10 years. So this is a great big accomplishment. But we both know this is not our forever home. And even when we get to what we think is our forever home, that may not be because everybody should have a price. Stop holding on to real estate just for sentimental values because it's not putting money in your pocket by doing so. Even if we rented this house out all the way till our son was 18, imagine like once you hit a certain price, if them luxury apartments make our freaking property value skyrocket $100,000, hell yeah, we selling this goddamn house. You telling me that I could pay off the bank and walk away with 100K? Hell yeah. Where do I sign? That's what I mean by we got to not have fear of losing it because we it's just a house. And I know for some families, it's more than a house. It may be the house that you were born in or your mom or your dad or your uncle, whoever was born in, whoever was raised in. But you got to take the feelings out of it because at the end of the day, real estate is supposed to make you money. It's not just supposed to be a roof over your head. And if there becomes a number that could greatly impact your life by selling that property, you need to do so. So the whole fight in your siblings, because some of y'all want to sell mom or dad or granny or whoever's house. And you don't because y'all, we can't sell that house. We was raised in that house. 
okay. And your parents bought that house with, I'm telling you as a parent with the thoughts of if things ever get bad, we, or if we're gone, the kids can sell the house and be good. That is the point of real estate. At some point you're supposed to cash in that check when the price is right. Whatever price is right is up to you, but we can't hold on to these properties forever. Now, do I feel like every family needs one property you hold on to for forever? Absolutely. I'm not saying to sell it and go back to renting. Absolutely not. I'm just saying everybody in the family, yeah, everybody can own their own home, but we cannot be holding on to all of these homes forever. Because think about the example I gave y'all. If our equity shoots up 100K, we can literally use that 100K as a down payment on our next house that could be even bigger. And I told y'all we ain't spend that much to move into this one. So imagine what we could do with a 100K. Them stimmies wasn't no 100K, let me tell you that. That's how you're supposed to move. Once the house has enough equity in it for you to pay it off and walk away with a good enough check to get another house, a nicer house, a bigger house, you do that. That's, that, that, that's how these other races do it. That's how people keep moving from house to house because they're making the old house, the, the, the proceeds from selling that house is paying for the new house and so on and so forth and so on and so forth. Real estate is a passive stream of income, but it's a long game. You got to play the long game. We knew we wasn't going to live in this house for 10 years, but we knew we was going to ride it out as long as we could. And look, y'all, not only did our equity shoot up 50K in a year, it's about to shoot up more than that because we got luxury apartments coming pretty damn soon. So we already know, oh yeah, we thought about renting it before. Oh no, baby, we going to sell it when it's time because we're going to get way more than we pay for it. And that's going to pay for our next home, wherever that is. And that is how you got to play Monopoly, y'all, for real. I'm not just up here telling y'all this just for fun. I'm telling y'all this because knowing what I know, this is how people and corporations is moving in the real world. Dead ass. They playing this shit like Monopoly. And now that I'm on the inside, I'm doing the same thing too. And I'm giving y'all the blueprint to do it too. I'm not just telling y'all to do stuff that I would never do. I am living proof. Anybody who know me, been following me on Instagram, Facebook, I've been manifesting a house for the past couple years. And now I got it. And most people be like, all right, I got the house. I'm good. No, baby. I want my money back. And then some. And then another house. I don't need to keep them both. I'm not greedy. I just said I wanted to be in a house. It don't got to be this house for forever. As long as the price is right, oh, baby, we're going to keep selling. If I'm getting my money back and then some, that's how the game works. I plan to not get attached to real estate, to detach the feelings from real estate because them feelings will get you caught up and them feelings will have you fumbling a bag. That fear of missing out will have you fumbling a bag. So... Your favorite homegirl is here to tell you, don't let fear make you fumble that bag. One more time, your favorite homegirl is here to tell you, don't let that fear fumble your bag. And just like that, we are at our very familiar place. We are at our word of the week. And it was only right 
that I leave y'all with a word that was a regular word, or honestly, it's a phrase, it's two words, but it's also a real estate related word. This week's word of the week is due diligence. And I picked this because in the real estate world, due diligence is a period of time where when you are under contract for a home, you have a certain amount of days to do your due diligence. That's what's called a due diligence period. It, how long that period is depends on what state you live in. But during that due diligence period, mind you, you've already put your earnest money deposit down on the home. You now have, let's say, 10 days for your due diligence period. In that 10 days, you as the buyer, if you're looking to buy a house, that is your time to schedule an appraisal of that home to make sure it's worth what the seller is selling it and that they're not trying to take too much money out of your pocket. That is your time to get a home inspection to make sure that it the home doesn't need any major repairs because just because it's appraised for a certain price and that's the price the seller wants, that don't necessarily mean it's worth that in that moment because if the home appraises but a home inspector is like, yeah, this roof got some rotten spots or this this drywall got some rotten spots, yeah, you're going to have to replace it in a year. Whoa, nobody wants to move into a house and have to replace major things like that a year later. So during that due diligence period, that's your time as a buyer to do your homework and to do your research and to make sure that this is right for you. Within that due diligence period, if for any reason, and literally, I mean any reason, you decide that you want to back out of buying that house, you could do so only within that due diligence period and you will get every cent of your earnest money deposit back. So in the real estate world, that's what due diligence means when we refer to do your due diligence or the due diligence or the due diligence period. So, why is that the word of the week? Because for obvious reasons, real estate related, it just it just works, right? But also because I want you watching and you listening to do your due diligence, do your homework if you want to own a home. And you can do so, like I said, by catching up on my Real Estate Gems playlist that is on my YouTube channel to get as much information as you can. It does not cost you a single thing and you will gain a lot from it. I do this because I didn't have these resources and I know y'all, it's not even I know, y'all see how much my life has changed just by learning these things. Y'all, I just told y'all we bought a house and got a refund check. Again, that's not everybody's case. But I was able to move different. When you know better, you do better. I knew better, I moved better. And now I'm trying to help you know better so you can move better. So again, do your homework if you want to be a homeowner. It's just that simple. Because like I said, scam money don't make no money. You cannot let fear fumble your bag. You could be scared of what's to come, but don't let that stop you from investing in real estate. Because I'm going to tell you what they did teach me in real estate school that I that has stuck with me. The one thing that sticks with me all the time. Real estate, well, let me not say real estate. Land is the one thing we not getting no more of. Maybe hundreds of years they'll figure out how to build some more. But um, have y'all been checking on climate change and global warming, we actually having less and less land every year because of how we treat this planet. But again, that's a whole nother story. Land is the one thing we never going to get no more of. 
So do you want to be the person at the end of the game of Monopoly that don't own no property? Exactly. Scam money, don't make no money. Same as in Monopoly. You ain't looking to spend no money in Monopoly, chances are you ain't going to get very far in the game. And you can apply that logic to real life. And I just want to remind y'all that the only thing between you and a home is the information and resources you have not found yet. That is it. I have heard of people buying homes with credit scores as low as 520 or with no zero money down because they went and got down payment assistance. If you watch my YouTube videos, you know I tell people do not rely on uh, down payment assistance, but it's out there. So you can be a homeowner. Only thing that's keeping you from them keys is what you don't know. And you don't know what you don't know until you start doing your homework and your due diligence. And it's literally just as simple as that. You just got to do your due diligence and find them resources. And your favorite homegirl is that free, heavy on the free resource for you now. So you know where to find me and you know where to catch them gems in the Real Estate Gems playlist on my YouTube channel. And I'm pretty sure I said everything that needs to be said. Play Monopoly, but in real life. That ass. And on that note, if you made it this far, thank you for kicking it with me and chopping it up with me. I appreciate each and every one of y'all. The love and the support, it never goes unnoticed or unappreciated. And if you want to join the conversation in real time, make sure that you're following me across all social media platforms at Tyanne Watson. But more specifically, make sure you're following me on Instagram at tyann.watson because that's where I'll post all of the polls, all of the questions, and conversation starters. That's also where you guys can expect to see sneak peeks and previews into the episodes to come. We on a new season and we on a new level. This is going to be one hell of a ride. I hope y'all are ready. Until then, I'll see you, yeah you, same time same place next week for another Melanated Monday. And remember, the goal is to be good and do good. Until next time, peace y'all.